everyone. Let's uh, get in an attitude of prayer. We're here to start a new series called Prayer That Gets Results. And I want to believe God with you right now that you're going to step into a real prayer life that gets results. Even if you're already seeing results, to step up. If you're not seeing results, to step in. But wherever you're at, just take a step in your prayer with the Lord. Amen? I want us to start by just being welcomed into the presence of God. You know that the Bible says that we're able to come boldly to the throne room of grace. So right where you are, whatever's going on for you, I want you to lay aside guilt. If you've got confession to make, make it. But draw near to God in your heart and start to abide in Him as a starting place for our prayer today, okay? Start to abide in Him. Start to reverence Him in your heart. Start to honor Him in your heart right now, right where you are. Come on, we don't have long to do this, so let's start to do it. Don't be looking at me, look at God. Let's get focused. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up every single person here, Father. Lord, I stand alongside them, and by faith, Lord God, I take a big step with them into your presence. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that in your presence, you're going to begin to stir a hunger for prayer. That you're going to be stirring a desire to intercede before the throne room of heaven. That you're going to be releasing answers to prayer. The cries of hearts have been raised up for the years and for the decades and for the months, Lord God. And there we're going to see a breakthrough in these areas of prayer in the name of Jesus. But we do so from a place of being in your presence. We do so from a place of standing with you, Father. Lord, we thank you for the great privilege that we have to hunger for more of you. And Lord, we ask that you would break out in a mighty, mighty way, Lord, that you would do something supernatural, supernatural in our lives, Lord, supernatural in our hearts, Father, supernatural that we become a people of prayer. Lord, your word says that we ought to be supernatural, naturally supernatural. Lord, that we ought to be people that hunger after prayer and see prayers that are answered, Father. Lord, do something in us. Do something in us today. Lord, we are praying those kind of prayers. Mighty, 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 we pray. And everybody said, I didn't hear you. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Let's give the Lord of worship. Amen. Thank you. I believe in God that He's going to do something good and strong in your prayer life over this coming month. Amen. We all need it. I get an amen to that. <laughs> Why don't you take a moment, greet someone around you just before we get on into the message today. Awesome. Well, it's great to have all of you here today as we're starting a new series called Prayer that gets results, and we're going to be exploring some of the great works of prayer, the, the act of prayer, the Spirit's role in prayer, faith, seeing results from our intercessions. And there is a great book to go alongside the series, Artie Kendall's book, um, Did You Think to Pray? This is available for you, just a couple of copies this week, but we'll get some more in for you next week if there's a demand. But we want to stir up and encourage people in their hunger to pray and to see God. And I'm believing God for a step change in your prayer life. And I was thinking to myself, there's many testimonies I could begin a sermon like this with. Many different stories that I could point to, guys like Max. Is, Max is a result of prayer uh, and intercession and fasting. Where is he? Is he gone? <laughs> but you know, guys like that, I could bring many different stories of the people that are here today and growing in Christ or things I've seen personally in prayer. But you know what? I'm still a student of prayer just as much as all of you are. 
I'm still learning how to pray in, in new ways, in various ways, just like you are. And so my aspiration today is to exhort and to encourage you to really get hungry about this thing called prayer. Amen? And so today I'm going to be looking at the title, You Have Not Because You Do Not Ask. You Have Not Because You Do Not Ask. And I, 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 to get inspired for this, I was listening to some old school old school preachers, the likes of Spurgeon and Martin Lloyd-Jones and R.T. Kendall, to get a bit of a flavor of, of how they prayed. And, and so forgive me if I go a bit to the old school, because you guys know me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm very normally using practical examples and today and able to relate to where you're coming from right now. But I'm feeling a little bit old school on this one, so I hope that it still reaches you where you're at. Amen? I want to share with you two passages that sit in sharp contrast the act of prayer. Before I begin reading, let us first define what prayer is. Put simply, it's we get to talk with God. That might not grasp you, it might not grip your soul or your heart or your spirit, so let me paint a picture for you. Prayer is the wonderful privilege we have to address the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and of earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is able to do anything which we ask of him to do. But more than just address him, it is the expectation of a reply or a dialogue made possible because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, his shed blood, his resurrection, and the reviving life of the Spirit which fills and floods us and teaches us how to pray. We get to talk to God, put simply. But put more dramatically, we get to address the King of Heaven with our need and to get a reply from Him. How awesome is that? What a great privilege that every single one of us have. But there are acts of prayer and there are moves of prayer. There is such a prayer which is solely for our benefit. This is a taught, covetous prayer that fears lack and fears loss and drives us to petition the one we perceive as able to resolve our problems in order to keep us from that which we fear the most. This soulish prayer is filthy, it is dark, it is nothing to do with the type of prayer that the Lord is calling us to. But then there is a prayer which is for the benefit of both Him with whom we converse and ourselves. It is a communion between one who knows the one with whom he speaks and is bold enough to speak with him. This kind of prayer is a pure light. It is a light which glows and reveals the glory that Jesus intends for us to enjoy. We would draw near to the Father and we would begin to pray and dialogue with the awesome creator of the heavens. So these two passages that I am to read you today. James 4, verse 1 through 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
In sharp contrast, we see John 15, verse 7, the words of Jesus. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Today, it's my holy duty to stir you to hunger for power in prayer, to be one that Jesus refers to here, one who prays and his prayer is not only heard, but the Father puts all of his divine power at the disposal of the prayer and brings an answer. Now, I'm conscious as I start off on this endeavor today that there are some of you here who do not know this mighty God who do not know his omnipotence or his willingness to answer your heart's cry or the gift of his son Jesus Christ for you, the gift of forgiveness of sin, the gift of eternal life. But you may have it. Everything that I speak to and make reference to today, you might have. But at the same time, understand that it is privileged. It is reserved for those who have made themselves Christ's. This invitation is not based upon how you look, what you dress, the way you speak, the way you pray. This invitation is based upon the state of your heart. Have you got a heart that will bow the knee to Christ and say, I want to serve you as my Lord and Savior? See, it's an exclusive state of being, this art of praying with power. But an invitation is extended to you today if you don't know Christ. And I will give you an opportunity at the end to respond to the invitation where I will invite you to raise your hand and say, you know what, I want this Jesus. I want to see this power in prayer in my life. But for the rest of us, for you spirit-filled, born-again believers, you have a great invitation before you here today. One that results in life, in joy, in fulfillment flowing out of the Father's passionate love and passion to walk with you. I want to ask you, do you want to pray a prayer that will move God? Do you want to? Some of you do. Do you want to see His power operating in your life? Now, if you do, it is something that you must grow in in order to attain to it. What am I talking about with this growing? Well, the more that we spend time in the Word, the more that we spend time thinking about the glorious gospel, the more time we start to marvel at Jesus. We find that His grace is ever more attractive. We begin to grow and desire to see Him move in our lives as we know that He can move. It says in His Scripture He can do these things, but are we seeing them operating in our lives? See, the Lord would have us grow. His desire is for us to grow in such a way that heaven knows you for your prayers, and that your prayer would release the mighty power of God that's available in heaven to move here upon the earth. That's why he said, John 15, verse 7, he gave us the key. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
if the will of the Father is that he would be able to do what you call upon him to do in prayer, then you can be certain that the will of your enemy is the diametric opposite. His desire is to stifle you in prayer, to choke the life out of your spirit man or spirit woman, to cut off your supply from the Almighty so that you would shrivel up and become a Christian by title, but not by substance, like so much of the church around us today. To become a prayerlessness, nominal, defeated Christian. That's the way your enemy would have it with you. In Psalm 41 verse 5, it says this, My vicious enemies ask me, when will you die and be forgotten? That's what your enemy is asking you today. And some of you might find yourself in this place. You find that you can barely pray. Events have happened in your life. Situations have appeared too much for you. Wrong turns have ended you at the bottom of a cliff. And it feels like the Lord is a far and distant, silent God, while present is the weight of responsibility and guilt that constricts your very chest and snatches the very breath of prayer from your lips. And your vicious enemy stands actively by, wishing for your death, his minions whispering guilt, condemnation, shame to you, seeking to extinguish that glorious Christian light that is within you. But today, I want to encourage you to reach out, to reach out and to take the hand of the vine, Jesus Christ, and to abide in Him. If He, your enemy, is not victorious at snuffing out your prayer life, then He'll do something different. He'll begin to hound you with the desires of this world. And your lust will soon push you into a deception. The deception is this, that the purpose of walking with God is so that I can benefit materially. The enemy desires that you would begin to pray in such a way for material things. And find at the end of your prayers, rather than the Lord God Almighty, the deceiver himself masquerading as God. Say, so where do you find that in the Bible, Gabriel? We see it in the temptation of Jesus himself. Matthew 4 verse 8, where the devil comes to him and says, listen, all you need to do is bow down and worship me and I'll give you all of this world. Which God are you finding yourself bowed down towards? Which God are you seeking? Are you seeking the one who provides material benefit only? Or are you seeking the God who provides the ultimate need of your life? Jesus shows us the key in his masterful rebuke. He says, then Jesus, uh, it says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. See, if he cannot strike you out by killing your prayer life, he will drive you to lust. And lust will cause the common man, the common woman, to pray prayers that God in his grace does not answer. Because the answer would lead to a deception, that God is here for our bidding alone. He's here to do what we want him to do, but that's a deception. You ask and you do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? 
Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, this lust that can drive us to pray prayers that are in error towards God finds itself in the, its root in the spirit of entitlement. I deserve this. You might have identified that spirit when I said to you that this is something that you need to grow in. That spirit might have spoken up in your heart. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can just go ask God for anything. You can just go, I mean, he says, says in Scripture, he's your father, and you, I mean, you're his son, aren't you? Just go and ask him. Because you deserve it. Don't think about the cost. Don't think about the price. It's like the spoiled kid that we've all seen in Tesco's or by the lolly stand, the sweet store. I've been corrupted by my Kiwi wife who calls sweets lollies. But the kid that's standing there, Mom, give me five pounds. I want the sweets. And the mom's like, no. I know how to get you, Mom. Ah! It starts freaking out in the store, and the mom's like, you know what? Here's the five pounds. Shut up and go buy your sweets in the nicest possible way, right? But that's the spirit of entitlement. God, I'm praying these prayers because you have to answer this prayer. You have to provide my life partner. You have to give me my car. You have to give me my job. God doesn't have to do anything. doesn't have to do anything. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to start in error in prayer, be prayerless or pray lustful prayers. But that's not what the invitation here is for you, you spirit-filled believers. The invitation is for you to begin to engage in prayer as a part of your service towards God, a holy act that flows out of abiding in His love. The recognizes that anything we receive from him is a loving gift that he can choose to give to us, and he does choose, but it flows out of relationship, not out of entitlement. It flows out of the fact that you're a son and daughter of God, genuinely, not because you just pick up a few passages and say, I want this. See the difference? It flows from a heart that responds to the love that is in Christ. See, the, this art of prayer that we're talking about here today and will be for the month finds its life, its strength in waning to the lusts of the world and waxing or growing in the love of the Lord our God. It is a privileged position for a privileged people. Or say it a different way, if you want to pray pure heaven-shaking prayers that get answers, you need to make your top priority tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and engaging yourself in abiding with Him. Because once again, if the enemy cannot destroy your desire to pray or tempt you to pray with lust, he will provoke you with one further thing to inaction. And that is by saying you're prideful. He will mock you as though your motive for prayer, for asking, were impure and say, you proud, foolish Christian. And your pride will prevent you from the humble communion of tasting and seeing. It will stop you from asking God. In Isaiah 7, we see the story of a king whom Isaiah 
of all people is prophesying to. Now, we all know Isaiah now, right? Heavens above, if Isaiah came to speak to me, I'd be, what, what's that, Isaiah? Okay, what, and how do I have to do it? And, and what, by what time scale? And <laughs> is there anything else I need to make sure I do? Because if you're prophesying to me, I know it's going to happen, so I better get ready. All right? But this King Ahaz is facing the destruction from the Assyrians, and Isaiah, well, not even Isaiah, Isaiah is present, but the Lord himself speaks to Ahaz, the Lord himself, and says, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. This stubborn king Ahaz is at the point of destruction. The armies are about to obliterate his city, and God himself comes to him and says, listen, all you have to do is ask. <laughs> ask. Ask. And it can be as big as this, as high as that. Ask. Do you know what Ahaz said? I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord God to the test. And Isaiah says, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? What a stubborn man. What a foolish man to say to God, I will not ask, when the invitation of God is to ask. See, Ahaz thought he was better than God. He thought he knew better than to ask God, and it cost him. How much do we not have today because we have not asked? Let me ask you another question. How much have you lost today because you did not ask? We all remember that story of the parable of the five talents where one is given five, one is given two, one is given one. And the one who goes five goes away, multiplies it, and returns and brings ten to his master. The one with two, or is it three? I can't remember. Two or three goes away, multiplies it, comes back and gives it back to his master, doubled. But the one with one, who knew his master, went away and buried it. And came back with the one. I said, to, to, I, know, I know that you're a difficult guy, and so I didn't want to lose any money and pun be punished for that. So here you go. Here's your talent back. And you know what happened to his talent? Taken away from him. He lost because he would not do something with what he had. How much have you lost because you've not asked? Well, sorry, how much do you not have because you've not asked? And then on top of that, how much have you lost because you've not asked. Terrible. Terrible. See, Ahaz, you know what happened after this incident? He was the king that presided over the sacking of the temple. He was the king who was there when these foreign invaders came and took all of the gold and all of the silver that was intended for the glory of God, worship in the temple. They took all of that and they took it away to a foreign land because this king could not humble himself and ask. He was plundered to the extreme. See, pride can silence you. Religiosity can silence you. A lack of wisdom can silence you. I want to ask you then today, in line with our title, do you know 
how to ask God for what you need. The dead Christian prays a prayer that is well, is a prayer that has a prayer that is not prayed. He gets no results. The lustful Christian prays a prayer that is asking for selfish gain. He gets no results. But the proud or foolish Christian does not pray the prayer, and not only does he get no results, but what he has gets taken from him. Now, none of us want to be any one of those three. Amen? Can I, this is one of those moments where you need to be loud with the amen. None of us wants to be one of those three, do we? Amen. We want to be the fourth one. I want to tell you about the beloved Christian. The beloved Christian. You need to know about the other three so you know how to avoid those other three and be the beloved Christian. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you are a beloved Christian. Say it with some conviction now. Come on. See, a beloved Christian prays prayers that shake heaven and move God, moves God to respond. Amen? Now, Luke 11, verse 5, it says, I tell you, this is Jesus, God, telling us, I tell you, ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one to whom, who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, our Father is of an entirely different nature. You ask and you receive from him. If today you're thinking that God is evil or a withholder of good things for you, then you do not know him. And I invite you today to come to know him. Again, I will give you an invitation towards the end to come to know your father. But those of us who pray will know him as a tender father who walks with us and answers the prayer of our heart. To ask, to pray. To seek God is to humbly engage in a lifestyle of walking with Jesus through whom we'll come to know our Father. So for the rest of the message today, I want to try to answer three questions. How do I gain the privilege of being one that can ask God for anything? Second question, why would I desire such a privilege? Third question, how will I know what to ask for. I'm anticipating that they are your questions. If you're not asking those questions, then come to another sermon where we'll ask, answer those other questions. But today I want to answer to those three. Because if we are truly a favored people who have the privilege of successful prayer laid before us, we must understand that its purpose is to bring glory to our Father. And the benefit of our prayers will be for Two or more people. The benefit of the prayer will be for the Father, for us, and for the recipients of the result of our prayer. But I want to call us to pure motives in this praying today. Let's come back to our verse, John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, 
Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, and what, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. I don't want to ask you, have you ever found prayer difficult? I have. Have you ever found it a chore to get up in the morning? And sometimes it's the most challenging thing when we know that we're supposed to give Jesus our best time, but there's no hunger or passion for prayer. You ever been there? Maybe you're the person who prays at night, but you find yourself staying up all the way till 10.30, watching movies or whatever, and then your bedtime's 10.30, and you're just like, sorry, Jesus, I'll be up in the morning. Maybe we've got it the wrong way around. Do we pray in order to get into his presence and abide in him? Or do we abide in him and out of the overflow of that time with him, pray? Maybe there might be some insight for us today. See, because abiding in Christ cannot be some excitable or ecstatic state. Something that we stir ourselves up to and we get into God's presence somehow. And neither can prayer be. Because then we'll live life like one of those oscilloscopes. Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Mostly down. Maybe a heartbeat. You relate with the heartbeat better. Down. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Prayer cannot be those ecstatic moments. Rather, it's something that flows out of abiding with Christ. Have you ever noticed the awkwardness of speaking with a friend that you haven't seen for a while? I always hate those times when I bump into someone that I haven't seen for a year, two years, because I want to say I haven't seen you around, but I know that that comes across as condemnation. And then I want to remember, have they studied? Have they gone to a job? Have they gone to this or that? And I spend all of my time trying to think of questions that will make them think I actually remember what they're going through, which I really want to, but it's awkward because I'm not connecting, because I haven't seen them for so long that I don't even know what's going on in their life anymore. And we get excited to see them. I see this all the time. I see it a lot with the ladies. The guys are a bit more staid about it, but ladies, when they haven't seen each other for a long time, they're, oh, it's so great to see you. I don't know if that happens. Um, and it's a lot of high, high volume speaking for a couple of minutes. And then we must call each other. We'll see you soon. <sighs> What's her name again? <laughs> and with the guys, it's just like, yeah, what's up, dude? Give them the, the shoulder. Oh, good to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's it. It's cool. I must have met that guy watching football or something. Yeah, it's all good. But you walk away feeling like, thank God. Thank God that that's over. But think about those times when you see a friend that you see regularly. You know what's going on in their life. You know what they're struggling with and what their victories are. You know what the, the flow of decisions are going on in their life. And you get excited because you're like, how's it going with that? And I've really been praying for you. And this has really been uh, on my heart. And what have you been facing in this? And oh, it looks like it's going really well. The friends that you spend time with, because you know what's going on with them, you're able to have a dialogue. 
And if we, met, we say, said at the beginning that prayer is about the dialogue, but it's about a dialogue with God, right? So what is the key here? Spending a lot of time with God. Prayer, a natural overflow of that time with God. Spurgeon, in a message known as The Secret Power of Prayer, says this, Prayer is the natural outgushings of a soul in communion with Jesus. How powerful is that? Rather than something that we have to stir ourselves up into and get there in order to be excited about prayer, let's get into the Lord's presence. And the natural overflow will be the gushings of prayer coming forth from our lips. Or to say it another way, abide in me and let my words abide in you. Then you will ask. The consequence of abiding in Christ and his word in us is that prayer will flow out of us. So how do we abide? How do we abide? To abide, or it's an old word for moving in, living with. Living with. It is to transfer from the world, out of the things of the world, certain aspects of our life. To transfer trust from the world to Jesus. To rest only in his finished work upon the cross, his life, his death, his resurrection. It is to believe him only for our salvation. It is to seek him for your attention and affections to be fulfilled. It is to consider him our only Lord. It is to worship and fix our minds on the work of Christ. You might think that that sounds complex and It's probably like a big long list of, oh my God, I don't even know the gospel. So let's simplify it into one word. Abide in his love. You might not get all of the complexities of theology and the the doctrines of, of death and resurrection and therefore your salvation. You might not understand it in such a way that you can put words to it and be eloquent about it. But you know what love is. Don't you? Abide in his love. Just sit down like, Jesus, today I need a fresh touch of your love, a fresh experience of your love, a fresh knowledge. What is that? It's the daily bread that we need, right? Jesus said, pray, asking the Lord, give me today my daily bread. If you can't humble yourself to ask, And don't be surprised if you don't get. But watch out for what's also getting taken away because you don't ask. Sit down with Christ. Think about what he's done for you. Maybe you watch the passion. Maybe you just think about the great creation outdoors. Maybe thank him for the relationships that you have. But you just sit down with him and be like, God, I need to encounter your presence today. What does that look like? How do I walk in your love today? And sometimes that might lead you to worship. Sometimes that might lead you to prayer, uh, to, to spending time in the Word. 
Now, you can't just spend time in the presence of God without having a consciousness of His Word, okay? Because His Word reveals Him as His presence does. Sometimes people get into the spiritual exercise without the Word foundation, or they fall short by getting into the Word foundation without the spiritual exercise. We need both together, okay? But you might flow in worship. You might sit down with your Bible and say, Lord, speak to me from your Word today. You know, please don't waste your time in front of your Bible, just reading. Every time you come to the Scripture, say, Lord, please speak to me out of your Word. And I can guarantee you where you'd normally have just read a line and it would have been boring and inconsequential to you, what line will be like, oh my God, I have no time for the rest of my reading because that one word was so rich to me. It spoke so much life to me. If you would just ask the Lord to open up his word to you in prayer. To abide is to spend time in worship and in his word. It is to rest in his love, to live in a place of his love, to so identify yourself in Christ's love that when the Father looks at you, all he sees is someone that is filled with the love of Christ. He sees Christ himself. Or if you want to look at this another way, you would be like the person with the five talents. You go away with those five words and you spend time reading them. You spend time in worship and you multiply that in your life. And you come back to Christ with ten talents. And he says, you know what? Have what you need. Have what you need. Abide in me and my word abide in you. And you shall ask and it will be done. That's scary, isn't it? I think we would be scared being at that place. I could ask God for anything? 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 Yeah, he invites us to because now you're acting like a son. You're acting like a daughter. You're spending time in relationship with the one who loves you. In R.T. Kendall's book, Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, You know what, R.T., I love your, your, your presence so much that I want you to hang out with me two hours a day. Do you know that God loves your presence? He actually wants to hang out with you. And yet we're wasting time with people who are inconsequential, really, in the long scheme of things. Worrying about what this person thinks about and what that person thinks about, instead of worrying about what God thinks about us. Of course, prioritize your core relationships, but don't be worried about the people out there who don't really know you or care. Worry about God. Amen? But that's acting like a son or daughter. Why do we need to come to Christ? We come to Christ because everything we need is in Him. Everything we need from forgiveness, from salvation, from sanctification, from the gifts of the Spirit, everything, eternal life, everything that we find is in Christ. In addition to that, He has given us rich promises in His Word. The most powerful prayer is to come to the gracious Father with permission to pray and to ask him to fulfill his word, his promise. What do you want today, son? What do you want today, daughter? I want you to fulfill this word, Lord. I know you. I know that you've given this word as a promise. And I want to see you fulfill it. I want to see the answer. I want to see it come forward. But flowing out of relationship. Now, I'm demanding to see this. But because we are tight, you're, I'm living in you. Your word is abiding in me. I'm going to spend time with you. So first we come to him because everything we need is in Christ. Second, he's made us so many great promises in his word. And the third is this, that he wants us to be happy. 
in our life. He wants us to have the satisfaction of our labors in prayer. See, God can do anything, absolutely anything. But if we just sit back without humbling ourselves, without asking, God might in his sovereignty do what we're believing for him to do, but without prayer. But what do we get out of it? Nothing. We don't get that joy. We don't get that satisfaction. We're just like, oh, I wish I'd participated. Like the guy who might be on a football team and goes out injured in the semifinal and they get through to the final and they win. And he thinks, it's great for the team. But why am I injured? God wants us to be satisfied with our labors. He wants us to get great joy from our labors in prayer. He wants to invite us into this sovereign act that he is doing and revealing to us, which is why the prayer need is on our hearts, that he wants us to get out of it, to benefit out of it, as well as he benefits out of it. What an awesome God. Why should he include us? Because he loves you and wants you to participate in this holy act of prayer, which gets answers. Oh, Gabriel, how, how will I know what to pray? Remember the foundation here that we're talking about is love. The love of the Father and our love towards Him. I don't know about you, but if ever you love somebody, you want to do that which keeps them happy. You want to do that which pleases them. And in this case, we want to do that which pleases God. The desires of our heart are orientated towards pleasing God. And so the desires that come out of that heart, He can bless us with. The desires that are there in response, God, I, w- I want this because I want to honor you and love you. Have whatever you want. Whatever you want. Whatever you need. The foundation is love. But then we are also still prone to our desires. We're still in the flesh until, in a, in a physical sense until we're caught up into our immortal bodies. But it's the great grace of God that transforms our very desires when we find ourselves weakest. Remember Jesus. He said, if it is possible for this cup to pass from me. He had a moment where his desire was contrary to what the revealed will of God was. But he said, not my will, but your will be done in me. If at any point you find yourself worried about the kinds of prayers you're praying, should I be praying for my nation to be saved? Should I be praying for that scoundrel Satanist that lives next door and plays devil music at 3 a.m. to be saved. Pray. And in it, pray that your will be done if my, my prayer is off, Lord, but I'm believing you. No, Jesus said something really powerful in John 11 verse 41. Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. That's our model for us. Do you want to be somebody that lives in such a way and prays in such a way that your Father always hears you? What an amazing way to live. Amen? And when He hears us, He turns and He puts all of His omnipotence at our disposal. Spurgeon again says, what a great jewel this is. If only we could come to know that this pearl 
It's worth the selling of everything in our lives that we might obtain it. How does this apply to our lives today? Well, what about the businessman who is at work and has been at prayer? Nothing can astound him. Nothing can squander him because he's founded himself upon the rock and he has wisdom and insight and the power of God operating on his side. Amen? What about those of you that are on your knees for your families? Families that are ravaged by pride and stubborn-mindedness. The God of power is at your side because you've been there in prayer. What about if you're dreaming as an evangelist? Brett's gone, but dreaming as an evangelist of saving a nation. And yet overwhelmed by the sin that is in that nation. We come to God in prayer and see his omnipotence move on our behalf. We have to return to being a people that ask God. Don't be too proud to ask God. Don't be the dead Christian. Don't be the foolish Christian. Don't be the lustful Christian. Be the beloved Christian. At the beginning of this message, I said that I would invite those of you who want to be able to seek God and pray that His almighty hand would move in your life to make a response because you don't have that privilege until you've made a response to the gospel first. I want to give you an invitation to those of you who want to have joy from your labors in this life in a way that would honor God. I want to invite you beyond the temporary need of prayer. The temporary need, oh, I need this sorted, I need that sorted, I need that sorted, to the prayer of decision. To put your faith in Jesus Christ, his forgiveness through his death, and the gift of eternal life that he gives to you. So I want to ask all of us to bow our heads in prayer so that some might come today to the privileged position of being able to seek God in this way. And what I want you to do, if you want to receive Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand at the end of this prayer. We're all going to pray together, but I want you to respond to signify that you want to become one of these privileged peoples that can seek God and see Him move. Father, pray with me. Father, we come to you today and recognize that you are the Almighty God and that you have given the gift of your Son, Jesus, that we might receive forgiveness, that we might receive eternal life, that we might receive access to the throne room of heaven. And so, Lord, today, I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I ask Him to save me in Jesus' name. While all the heads are bowed, I want you to lift your hand. If you want to start to be a prayer warrior. You want to build a relationship with God. Thank you so much at the back. Thank you so much at the back. Thank you so much in the middle here. Thank you so much at the back. Anyone else? Thank you over here and over here. Thank you over there and over there. Thank you. It's great to have so many people responding to the gospel today. But the invitation is for you to draw near to a relationship with God so that you can pray in this way.
At the end of the service, someone around you will stand with you. They want to pray with you. They want to give you a Bible. They want to help you with the next steps that you have. But let me pray with you today. Father, I thank you, Father, for all of those people that raised their hands saying that they wanted Jesus. And Lord, we ask you to fill their hearts, Lord, with life and with light and with the knowledge of the privilege that they have to commune with you, to seek your face, to receive your word, to receive your love, and to grow in prayer, to be somebody that can ask and see answers happen. And Lord, that today that there would be a transformation that happens in their life, Father, that would bring you much glory. And Lord, I lift up everybody else here today, Father, every prayerless Christian, every suffocating Christian, every prideful Christian, every Christian that is struggling with the lusts of this world. And Father, I thank you, Father, for moving them out of a place of worldliness into a place of abiding in your presence. And Lord, that your presence would purify their hearts, Lord. Your presence would bring revival to their hearts and resurrection to their hearts. It would bring wisdom into the way that they pray. And Lord, that they would begin to be people of prayer, prayer that would move heaven, prayer that would get results, prayer that would get answers, that they would become people that would ask you for everything and see you move. And that in our prayers and in our communion with you, we would bring you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Strong word there from Gabriel. Just before you go, just a reminder, our Three Witnesses production is on this Friday, so do come along and bring anyone who doesn't know the gospel. And R.T. Kendall, Dr. R.T. Kendall, is starting at the Bible school, the evening Bible school, on the 12th of March. So pick up a registration form as you head out. God bless you as you go.